This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm Todd Mickelson, sitting in on the Matt McNeil Show. Uh, And you're also listening to us on WCPT 820 in Chicago. Uh, Wow. Things happening just in the last hour, uh, maybe two hours or hour and a half or so. Um, Tons to talk about. Uh, I, I will say that 2024 is coming in, I think, in a very positive way. It seems like about three weeks ago, things really started to shift. Um, For one thing, Joe Biden started campaigning. He did a couple of really great speeches. And Donald Trump is kind of looks like he's running out of gas. It's, It's anomalous with Trump because he did a town hall last night and he seemed way better than he usually is. And I, you know, I mean, I don't know what they got him hopped up on, but they got him hopped up on something. Because <laughs> a lot of times, I don't know if you heard him talking about uh, the Civil War, and I, you know, I could have, it could have been negotiated. I don't know. It was, it's really a fascinating, many people, many people hurt in the Civil War. The Civil War was a tremendously bad thing, and I guess it could have been negotiated. If it would have, uh, you probably wouldn't even know who uh, Abraham Lincoln is. You probably wouldn't even know, you know. And then, and then he's on last night, and he's all hopped up and yelling. And then, so what I was when I was talking about an hour, hour and a half ago, what happened was he in his uh, fraud trial in New York. He stormed out, but before he stormed out, he actually did say something. Now, um, he has been wanting to do closing arguments, and his people have been going back and forth with Judge Angoran. Some people say Angoran, Angoran, um, and... He said, okay, well, he can't just get up there and do like a campaign speech. He's got to keep it to the facts and the law because we're in a court. We're not outside in the hallway. We're not at a Trump rally. We're not at Mar-a-Lago. So he's going to have to stick to just the facts and the law, the facts of this case, facts of this case. And... His lawyer, Chris Geitz, who was uh, – uh, Chris Keis, I guess it is, who was going back and forth in emails, said, well, I don't think that's fair. He needs to say some things. And Engeron 
said no. Uh, he's got to he's got to stick to these stipulations, and that's a very normal stipulation for it's normal court rules. And Chris Keis said no, we won't accept that. Um, Judge Angoran said okay, I I will not allow him to do this and that and this and that. Get back to me if you agree on that. They did not get back to him in time. So he said, okay, he's not speaking. But then at the very last second, today, just an hour and a half or so ago, Chris Keis asks for permission to have Trump speak. So then M. Goran says again, do you promise to just comment on the facts and the law? And Trump just starts, eh, this was a political witch hunt. We should receive damages for what they've taken our company through. They have no documents. They have nothing. The only thing they have is the triplex, which was a mistake. So he just starts yelling, apparently. And I'm kind of trying to follow this here on uh, without disrupting anything. I'm uh, trying to follow it here on, on a website. So, I'm, yeah, then he goes... Um, uh, who is this now? Is this Alina Haba? Because she went off as well. Yeah, he, no, this is still Trump. What happened here is fraud on me. The amount of taxes I have paid over this period is close to $300 million. They don't want me here anymore. I have a problem. They want to make sure I don't run again. You have your own agenda, he said to uh, Letitia James, and then he turns to Judge Angoran and says, you can't listen for more than one minute. And uh, he also said, I'm not sure the dollar amount would have been that far off. If you want to know, I am an innocent man. I've been politically persecuted. The statute is vicious. So kind of not really making sense. Um, this is being covered by Lisa Rubin, who is... Uh, was in the courtroom. She's trying to tweet what he's saying. So apparently he just stood up, interrupted the judge, and started yelling all this all this stuff. <laughs> and then he stormed out. And then he, of course, went out to the uh, outside in the hallway and starts, you know, kind of barking the same stuff again. Um, uh, so then... It, I, I guess the way it ended was Judge Angoran goes, Mr. Keis, please control your client. And then she writes, Trump nonetheless accuses James of going after him for her political gain, including an allegedly failed run for governor, at which point Angoran shuts it all down. But it's too late now. Everything Trump wanted to say was said. And now having said it, he has left the courtroom after insisting James should pay him for the havoc she's wreaked on his company. So it sounds really, really crazy. Also, Alina Haba, Trump's lawyer, one of Trump's lawyer, there's Chris Keist, there's Alina Haba, and uh, then there's a guy named Cliff Robert. And they were going crazy as well. Uh, I'm trying to follow this here. Uh, yeah, Haba... Uh, we're uh, we're human beings. We he did his best. It was human error. And then uh, Cliff Roberts says, "There's no case. There's nothing here. This is a press release wrapped up in a lawsuit. There's no there there." And um, 
Also, Alina Haba, uh, another guy who was in the courtroom here, Adam Klasfeld, he writes, Haba argues that it doesn't make sense to hire heavyweight account firm Mazers to perpetrate a fraud. They hire one of the largest accounting firms in the state of New York, she says. Now, of course, that does happen all the time. Uh, like Enron, you know, in other, other fraud cases, it happens all the time. They, they hire a, an accounting firm. The accounting firm maybe is in on the fraud or maybe doesn't realize the fraud is going on. Habba, and he goes on to write, Habba's summations have been laced with heavy sarcasm and grand dismissive gestures. Like at some point she goes, oh, some fraud. What a fraudster. And she's a lawyer in a court hearing saying this to the judge, who, by the way, is going to make the ruling on this. Wouldn't you try and be nice? I mean, we've all seen court hearings on TV, even if they're dramatized, you know, written in a script or, or even real ones. The lawyers are super nice to the judge. <laughs> it's not in your or your client's best interest for you to be sassy to the judge. It's hard to think of a word I can use on the radio instead of a, a word that would be more descriptive of what Alina Hoppe was being here. In the same sarcastic tone, he writes, Habba disputes that Trump intentionally inflated the size of his New York triplex. Explain to me, if you're trying to commit fraud, why would you put in writing to a real estate agent, excuse me, can you tell me how big this apartment is? She's acting, it sounds like she's acting like a junior high, you know, again, a word I can use on the radio. Uh, is above, I, I can't think of one. It's just, it's incredible. Trump can't get lawyers anymore. This is, this is another thing that's all kind of panning out here. Starting in 2024, everything's falling apart for Trump, and he knows it. And he can't get good lawyers. He has asked good lawyers, and they have said, uh, no, I'm not going to work for you. <laughs> um, Adam Klasfeld also writes, Your Honor, the law is not stupid. The Attorney General holds that we are, but the law is not. This is Robert, the, the um, other lawyer. Robert says that the AG's office is trying to take away Trump's son's livelihood because they signed financial statements and they claim they made a mistake. Now, I want to point out, too, that this mistake that they keep saying is a mistake. They said that a an apartment that is, I don't know, it sounds like it's about 11,000 square feet. They said it's 33,000 square feet. That doesn't sound like a mistake. If it was 11,000 square feet, may, maybe they just put too many zeros? No, it... it it would have been 11 million or, 11, you know, they changed the ones to threes. That's not a mistake. And uh, uh, Adam Classfield makes a couple more points on that. 
The attorney general claims that they knowingly signed to false statements, and the attorney general asked for a five-year ban for uh, Eric and Donald Trump Jr., not taking their life away. Robert also calls Michael Cohen, who was a witness in this case, a loser with a capital L and says he didn't have the chutzpah to accuse his clients, Eric Trump and Don Jr., of wrongdoing. And this guy is a lawyer talking to the judge. And this is not a trial to decide whether or not the Trump organization committed fraud. That has already been determined and ruled that, yes, it has been proven that there was an immense amount of fraud being done by the Trump organization. Trump also tries to argue that the banks were very happy. The banks were happy. But that's not really what we're talking about here. We're not talking about whether or not the banks are happy. They did lose money because of being lied to. They could have charged more interest. They could have gotten more interest. Also, when you're lying about these things, you're paying less taxes. He keeps talking about Mar-a-Lago being worth a billion dollars. Well, he's been paying taxes on it, worth $18 million. Anyway, I'll talk more about this when we come back, we're going to take a short break. You're listening to AM 950, The Matt McNeil Show. We'll be right back. The Progressive Voice of Minnesota and WCPT 820 in Chicago. Talking at you from, uh, what's the date today? Uh, the 11th of January in the space and time continuum. Uh, talking about Trump sometimes being very low energy and sometimes being super hopped up. Right now on Twitter, Adderall is trending. <laughs> And uh, uh, again, last night on his town hall, he was doing a lot of the in between everything. And that's when he was sounding a little more high energy. He was, you know, he was talking louder. He was, and and he seems a little sharper as well. But then he's doing that in between sentences and also the hands with the, the accordion hands a lot. And uh, I, I, I want to make a couple points about some things that he said last night as well, but I want to finish talking about this court case, this fraud case, where the lawyers and Trump are just this side of terrorizing the judge in the court. Uh, and he's the one who now decides how much the Trump organization needs to be disgorged, which is my favorite word of 2023 and so far of 2024. Uh, Patrick, you've heard of the term engorgement, right? Yes. You engorge yourself. Uh, the Trump organization has engorged themselves with fraudulent, fraudulently earned or gotten money. And that's what they need to be disgorged from. There was a point 
where $2 billion actually was mentioned by the, one of the Trump lawyers. And Trump keeps saying, first of all, he's way off when he says the judge says Mar-a-Lago is worth $18 million. But he's pointing out his own guilt when he says that they're saying in the court that Mar-a-Lago is only worth $18 billion, but it's really worth 50 to 100 times more than that, which would be anywhere from like a billion to a billion point eight. And if it's worth a billion point eight dollars, then he should be paying taxes on it at that price instead of paying taxes on it at 18 million. It was the tax, the New York state tax assessor who set Mar-a-Lago at 18 million. And part of the reason he set it that low is because the Trump organization was lying about some details about whether or not it's a home or just a club. Um, by the way, it is illegal for Trump to be living in Mar-a-Lago, and he's not paying enough taxes if he is living in Mar-a-Lago. That would bring the value of Mar-a-Lago higher. But even the Trump organization first claimed that Mar-a-Lago was worth like $27 million. And then the tax assessor said, well, I think with these details, it's worth $18 million. And the reason the Trump organization said $27 million instead of a billion is because it lowers their taxes. So if Trump says, I paid $300 million in taxes during this time, well, it sounds like you should have paid more like $30 billion. So the fraud is obvious. And I'm just pointing out a small part of it. Now, the disgorgement, the attorney general, Letitia James, did the numbers, came up with actual numbers and estimates. And her recommendation for disgorgement is now set at $370 million. But it's been mentioned that there was you know, $2 billion in uh, discrepancies. There are people on, you know, there, there's a, uh, something called the Midas Touch on, you can see it on YouTube. It's got lawyers. It's full of, made up of lawyers primarily, and they explain a lot of this stuff. That's where I'm getting a lot, a lot of this information. Uh, they, they do a good job of explaining it. And uh, I've also read a lot about things. It's incredible how much we've all learned about crime, court hearings, and the difference between federal and state courts, and the difference between criminal and civil courts. And we've all learned it. We, that's something that we can thank Donald Trump for. He has brought so much crime into our living rooms that we've learned about all this stuff. So anyway, the disgorgement, there are some uh, lawyers who are saying, you know, when you really look at some of the numbers and some of the frauds that, uh, you know, fraudulent things that they've done, you could really see a path for this to be much higher. A few months ago, they were saying, I think it's going to be more like 600 million. In, and at that time, the AG was asking for $250 million. But she, even she put her number higher, and she's trying to lowball it. 
but even she put her number higher just because of information that came out in this court hearing, mostly revealed by Trump and his lawyers. So she raised it to 370. And some of the people who've been predicting, they think it's going to be more like 600 million. They're saying it's closer to a billion now is what they predict. And you would think that if you were trying to keep it as low as possible for your client, and you were Trump's lawyer, you would be nice to the judge and try and be careful as to what you say and be very careful about the facts that you're revealing. So, but they weren't. So I don't know when we're going to find out. I predict it'll be pretty quick. This has been on trial for, I think, I think they said 11 weeks. Um, you know, we, we've been hearing a lot about it over the last couple months, and we're not even in the room. So I would think the judge is pretty ready. And after what he saw today, if he was thinking of, you know, maybe I'll lowball it a little bit. After today, I don't think he's going to do that. <laughs> after Trump yells at him insults him to his face in the court. Pretty incredible. Oh, another thing Trump pointed out, he comes out of the courtroom and he says, and Letitia James, it's, it's her fault that everybody's leaving New York, businesses are leaving New York, Exxon Mobil left New York and moved to Texas because of Letitia James. Exxon moved to Texas and left New York in 1989. I don't know how old Letitia James is, but I would say maybe she was 10 years old. <laughs> she certainly wasn't the attorney general for the state of New York. Uh, so uh, he, he also, and this is what I, I told you I'm going to, I also want to talk some more about what he said in his town hall last night. He started saying that We've been we've been dealing with this uh, Roe v. Wade for fifty four years. It's been less, you know, like fifty years, and he changed it to fifty four. It's just so weird. It's like when he said the twenty eighteen flu happened in twenty seventeen, and he kept insisting that. It's just really weird stuff. We're gonna take another break. You're listening to AM nine fifty, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. We'll be right back. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. You're listening to the Matt McNeil Show. I am not Matt McNeil. I'm Todd Mickelson sitting in today and tomorrow. And then uh, Monday is a special show. What's You know probably more details than I do, Patrick. Yes, we will uh, be rerunning a couple of uh, classic uh, Matt hours. Uh, for those of you on WCPT, you're going to get a rebroadcast of the uh, interview with the Penn Center that Matt did over the holidays. And for those of us locally here in the Twin Cities, we will also get for the second hour the interview that Matt had with uh, John Fugel saying just a couple days ago, uh, very powerful interview. Chicago, I know you got to listen to that interview as well uh, that Matt had with John Fugel saying about his uh, appearance on uh, MSNBC denouncing the uh, radical rights weaponization of Christianity. So that'll be the second hour on Monday here locally. 
All right. And uh, so today I'll be on for the rest of the day uh, and then tomorrow as well. And then Matt will be back live on Tuesday if everything goes as planned. I feel like you always got to say that nowadays because I, I, the world's different than it was before the pandemic. <laughs> it is. Um, so before I go on to other things still Trump-related, it uh, – the, a, fine, a, a new update on the hearing today in the fraud case. So I have been telling you about what happened at the end of the defense's final arguments. Right now, if they haven't ended yet, they're st- I think they're still going on, um, but that probably due to end really quick here, if they're still going on. Kevin Wallace, a lawyer for the New York AG's office, which would be in the prosecution side, of course, says the civil fraud trial is about what the defendants knew and when they knew it. Where they're, where, where, I'm sorry, were they acting with intent when they manipulated their financial statements and as part of a conspiracy? The answer to both, he says, is yes. He goes on to say Trump's financial statements were false in every year from 2011 to 2021. False by as much as $2.2 billion, with a B. So that's where, you know, I suppose, I don't know. If I were the judge, I would think, uh, you know, you're getting let off pretty easy if I disgorge you $2.2 because that's only in the last 10 years. He's been in, he was in business for 40 years before that. He's been committing fraud his whole life. So really... billion times five is what it should be. You know, I mean, he illegally got that much money. Kevin Wallace is basically saying he illegally acquired $2.2 billion in 10 years. Should be paying it back. Anyway, um, Trump did a couple (laughs) Trump type of things where I'm sure – his campaign people are really wishing that he would just shut up. Um, I think probably even some of his campaign people are wishing, have another wish (laughs) for him, Um, you know, to drop, just drop, just fall over and don't get back up. He, uh, He keeps making it worse for himself over and over and over again. He got asked, of course, about abortion by a person in the audience, and he said, well, you know, we gotta, you got to get elected. You got to get elected. First, he points out that nobody could get rid of Roe v. Wade except for him. So, again, making the point that it is he who got rid of Roe v. Wade, which I'm, I'm glad he keeps saying that. That's what's going to make him lose. That's what's going to make the Republicans lose everything. It's going to be a bloodbath in 2024. Polls, especially phone polls, even even some of the polls when they say details, they'll say a thousand people that we called. A thousand people in a country with uh, 333 million people in it, and you you got. Th- 
a thousand people to answer their phone, and you're going to give us the numbers of who they're going to vote for? Yeah, uh, that's worthless. So keep that in mind whenever you're hearing the polls. Everyone's saying, oh, Joe Biden has such a bad approval rating. Yeah, I don't think so. You know, we need to be informed by reality, and polls have failed to predict reality for years and years and years now. Even more so in the last five years, six years, seven, eight years. Okay, I'm eight <laughs> years. But so he points out that he is responsible for getting rid of Roe v. Wade. And then he says he's, he's, he knows he's probably going to disappoint this woman. And it kind of was unclear as to what she thinks of abortion rights, but he said, we got to think of something that everybody will like because we got to get elected. Otherwise, it'll go back to how it was before. Now, that's something you say when you're talking to your team. You don't say it publicly. Basically, what you're saying is, we need to think of a way to lie about what we're going to do so that we can get elected because what we really want to do, we will lose. We will lose the election if I say what I really want to do. So instead, I'm going to say something different. And yes, it's going to be a lie. And then when we get elected, we go back to the way that we want to do. But we got to win elections. So I know I'm imitating him. He didn't. I'm using my own words there. But he did say to this woman— we can't just have a complete ban on abortion because we have to get elected. We have to find something that will make everyone happy. But I'm the one who got rid of Roe v. Wade. And if I don't get elected, then everything's going to go back to the way it was before. Meaning the way basically 98 or 99% of Americans wish it would go. <laughs> So he's saying all of this in this town hall. He's revealing all of this. You know, don't you think if he says, if I don't get elected, it'll go back to the way it was, that makes 99% of Americans happy. Wow, that sounds good. I would like it to go back to the way it was before uh, the Dobbs decision. And also going on in New Hampshire right now, so so much has happened. I know uh, – I know Matt talked yesterday about the Hunter Biden incident that happened in Congress yesterday, and that was huge. I thought I was going to end up talking about it. Uh, I know Matt talked about it quite a bit yesterday, but there's already stuff that didn't happen yet when Matt was on the air yesterday. This is all happening, uh, you know. So last night, Chris Christie dropped out. He put... He, he suspended his campaign, which, of course, basically means he dropped out of the race. In New Hampshire, he had about 13% of the voters. Now, these polls are usually more accurate because you know who you're polling. You, you're polling um, primary voters, you know, you're not, and you're not talking about a general election. So it's, it's much more— uh, Pointed, you know, you know who you're talking about and you know who you're talking to when you're asking them how they're going to vote in a primary. Now, there's still a lot of speculation that people are lying when they're being polled because 
people who maybe used to support Trump and don't want to support Trump anymore are afraid to say it because the people who still support Trump are so crazy and violent at times. So the people who don't want to vote for Trump are afraid to tell even the pollsters, which means Trump could be at, say, 50%, and then the actual results, he might only get like 30%. And then, of course, what's going to happen? Trump's going to say, it's all a fraud. It's fake elections, even though it's just Republican primary elections. So a lot of people are talking about that anomaly, but already Nikki Haley's at 29 and Trump is at 33. Chris Christie, before he dropped out, was at 13. I don't know. I I think that I'm going to go ahead and make an actual prediction that I think Nikki Haley's going to win New Hampshire. It does not look like she's going to win Iowa. But people are really wondering what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, Trump looked like an idiot today. And also at his town hall last night, one guy stood up and said, you know, a lot of my friends who voted for you in 2016 and even some in 2020 don't want to vote for you anymore. Uh, What do you say to them? I think was his question. It doesn't really matter what his question is, but I wanted to point out the part where he said a lot of the people that he knows that were Trump supporters no longer want to support Trump. And, you know, Trump's kind of getting old. After the performance yesterday, coupled up with the Hunter Biden breaking in at the— I mean, he didn't break in. He just came in and sat. Anyone can come in and sit in the the gallery there for any uh, committee hearing, and that's all he did. But uh, it got the committee hearing a lot more attention than it would have otherwise. And there is a lot of footage of Democrats really performing very well <laughs> Talk, you know, in this committee hearing. Uh, a lot of examples of that. So that's another change that's going on is a lot of positive exposure of Democrats – A lot of good people, young people, have gotten themselves elected, and a lot of the reason is because of, again, Trump and everybody, you know, having their hair on fire because we we need to – I mean, our our democracy is at stake. So people are feeling like, hey, I'm going to run for office. It's great. It's really good. But Nikki Haley, say say she wins, say Trump – goes to jail, which I I predict Trump is going to go to prison. I don't know when. And I, I would be surprised if he actually goes to prison before the election, but he might be sentenced. Uh, he, I, I do predict he will be convicted of some things, including criminal things. But uh, anyway, all of that beside the point, if Trump is not the nominee, and let's say Nikki Haley is. I think uh, Joe Biden would more easily win against Trump than he would against Nikki Haley. But then you get down to election day, and even some people who are saying that they 
don't want to vote for Biden because he's too old or whatever. It's going to come down to women's reproductive rights. That is going to be a prevailing issue on election day. And that's what's going to make the Democrats sweep everything. I think we're going to get the House back by a large margin. I think we're going to increase our margin in the Senate. I know some, you know, the the way elections usually go, the Democrats have to uh, uh, protect more seats in the Senate than the Republicans do. Um, the Republicans also are really short on money, and the Democrats have more money than they've ever had for this election year. And again, you know, th these are things that everybody's looking at. But again, I point out, it's going to come down to women's reproductive rights. And even if you have a 15-week ban or a 20-week ban or something like that, that's not going to solve the problem that this poor woman from Texas had that where she was going to die if she couldn't get an abortion. So it's all going to come down to that. Uh, you'll see. Anyway, we got to take another break. I'm Todd Mickelson sitting in on the Matt McNeil Show. You're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We'll be right back. We can break this cycle. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Todd Mickelson sitting in on the Matt McNeil Show. And um, I also have a podcast that you can find uh, on the AM 950 webpage. If you go to programs on on uh, AM 950 uh, uh, what uh, radio, yeah, AM 950radio.com. Right, Patrick? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's right. AM 950radio.com. Yes, and, and uh, go to the program's show. You can find my podcast. It's called A Satellite View, and I put it out weekly. And, um, and But they're nice enough to, to host it right here, my favorite 950 website. I, I'll, I'm going to play you one of my favorite is great at <laughs> – from Texas – is great at <laughs> using her five minutes in these committee hearings – and here's what she said yesterday during the whole Hunter Biden debacle. And juries are comprised of American citizens and the people that have entered pleas of guilty that will be flipping on your leader in a minute. They are Republicans. I do want to point that out. And half of them were Republicans that were handpicked by Donald Trump himself. So to be clear, whatever happens to your little leader, it's going to be because of the actions that he took. So you can talk all you want to about how January 6th was nonsense, but all of y'all were running at that time. Y'all were grabbing y'all's gas masks and y'all were running to your offices because you didn't know if they were coming to kill you. You should have cared that somebody was there to protect you, but instead you want to play games because you found out that it was your leader that decided that he wanted to propagate an insurrection on our country. So don't tell me that you care about the Constitution, because you don't. All you care about is Trump getting reelected, and I'll yield the last of my time to my leader. 
Thank you very much, Ms. Crockett, for your eloquent and powerful and irrefutable remarks. Yeah. <laughs> love, love me some Jasmine Crockett. She also said uh, the reason that uh, Hunter didn't want to talk in a secret deposition is because y'all lie. And, uh, and then she went on to say, uh, you know, it, it, it's amazing that you're even still standing because you should be quite dizzy because you spin the truth so much. So I, I love uh, watching her in these committee hearings. It's, I, I watch these committee hearings now. That's something I never did before. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, there is uh, still more update here, if I can find. Yeah, here. Lisa Rubin is tweeting now out of the courtroom. So it is still going on. The AG is still, her lawyers are still talking. Uh, and Lisa Rubin writes, this is just a few minutes ago, the New York AG is detailing what should go into a comprehensive relief order and why they are entitled to it. Notably, the degree of scienter or intent is a factor under the legal test they say governs as is whether the wrongful conduct was an isolated incident. Another factor, repentance or the lack thereof, meaning whether a defendant continues to maintain that his past conduct was blameless. Wallace goes on to say, it's hard to imagine how someone could be more insistent on their blamelessness. And when somebody is saying they did nothing wrong, they're telling you they'll do it again. This is the argument from the attorney general to the judge, trying to get him to rule at, well, they're only asking for $370 million. He also says the company has no CFO or controller, uh, it is virtually no internal controls, and the monitor was found ongoing financial irregularities. Uh, Keith, the Trump's lawyer, is on his feet, accusing Wallace of making the record up as he goes along. Yeah, I don't think so. So they're desperate. Wallace moves on to point out that despite the preliminary injunction, the Trump organization made a $40 million transfer without notice to the court or the monitor. The monitor is somebody who's watching what the Trump org is doing. And they tried to hide a $40 million transfer from the monitor. The attorney general argues the monitorship should be extended. Now, of course, the Trump org might just sort of be dismantled. He might lose his right to run any business in the state of New York. That's another thing that the attorney general is asking for. Uh, so Lisa Rubin goes on to say, now we're talking about lifetime bars. The AG's office cites the case of Martin, doesn't matter what his name is, who has been barred from the pharmaceutical industry in a case involving a claim under the same law at issue here. Wallace says, that guy's name I can't say, behavior is echoed by that of Weisselberg, McConney, and Trump, who have demonstrated no remorse. So she goes on quite a bit. She's kind of, you know, tweeting live. Uh, she points out Eric's involvement was both more extensive and done with actual knowledge than Junior. So maybe they'll get two different sentences. Who knows? 
But uh, yeah, that's all going on as we speak. Just thought I would report some of that to you. Still more fun to be had when we come back. Uh, we're going to take a break here in about a minute, though. But um, one thing that is already happening, I saw Chip Roy yesterday. He's thinking of making a motion to vacate the speakership <laughs> because, because uh, MAGA Mike Johnson is trying to prevent the government from shutting down. Now, the thir I also heard 13 of these crazy people in the House have completely messed up Mike Johnson's plans here. There was apparently you know, some compromises made and a vote, it sounds like, was had, and, uh, and it got voted down. So the Republicans remain not being able to pass anything in the House, and MAGA Mike Johnson has already lost control, and Chip Roy is already talking about a motion to vacate, which means they would get rid of him. And then what happens? I don't know. But yeah, Dems in disarray, right? No. It's Dems in Array now and GOP in disarray. Yes. So we'll take a break. Uh, we're coming back in Minnesota. We're saying goodbye to Chicago for tonight, but we'll be back tomorrow. So uh, thanks for listening on WCPT 820 in Chicago. And we'll be back for the second hour of the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950. The AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. You're listening to the Matt McNeil Show. I'm Todd Mickelson, sitting in for Matt. Uh, do we know what Matt's doing, Patrick? Oh, Patrick doesn't have his headphones on. <laughs> I was going to say, I think, uh, I, I thought, I've tried to remember what he said he was doing. I think, um, but I, I forgot. It's not a top secret this time. Oh, it is a top secret. I just can't remember. Oh, okay. It's top secret. He told you what it was, even though it's top secret, but you can't remember? Yeah. Or are I, you just saying you can't remember because it's top secret? I'll let the conspiracy theorists decide. All right. Uh, Paul Hutner, Weather, he's a, uh, um, uh, what's their name? NPR, uh, head weather guy. I actually know him. He's a really, really nice guy, and he plays guitar. I saw his band a couple times. Um, he lives out in the direction where I live, and we used to run into each other at, um, like, out at bars. I don't know if he wants me saying that he goes to bars. No, I don't think he cares. Anyway, Paul Hutner is saying three to nine inches of snow seems likely across the Twin Cities. Probably a little more in the southeast than in the northwest. So it's looking like three to nine inches. It'll start snowing uh, tomorrow morning, Friday morning, and it'll snow all the way through the day and the next night. So by Saturday morning, we should have three to five, uh, three to nine inches, depending on where you live in the Twin Cities. And then after that, it's going to be the really nasty cold that makes me wonder why I still live here. But up till now, we've been kind of let off pretty easy here in Minnesota. Um, uh, I wish, I mean, I like snowstorms, and we haven't had much snow, but it's uh, been pretty warm, much warmer than usual. 
that's not a good thing because it's being caused by global warming. But when you live in Minnesota <laughs> and it starts to get to be winter, you're kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't mind it being warmer. I know it's catastrophic and it could uh, make the uh, all of us human beings go extinct, but I kind of like it being a little warmer. But that's not going to be going on this weekend. It's going to be nasty. It's going to it looks like a high of like uh, four below zero on Sunday, something like that. So, hey, Patrick, I don't know if you heard this morning, but Representative Kurt Doubt is resigning. I did hear this yesterday. Yesterday. I just heard it this morning. Um, Republican State Representative Kurt Doubt announced Wednesday. That was yesterday. Yeah, wow, I'm, I'm behind on this. That he is resigning from the Minnesota House and will step down on February 11th. That's a day before the session goes into effect. Uh, Doubt, who's 50 years old, lives midway through his uh, leaves midway through his two-year term. His resignation will go into effect the day before the start of the 2024 legislative session. Doubt of Crown, Minnesota, served as speaker from 2015 to 2019 and led the largest Republican majority in more than a decade during his tenure. He was first elected to the legislature in 2010. And uh, in his news release, Doubt did not discuss a reason for his departure. He said some other things that's not – I don't need to repeat because most of what he says is absolute BS. So he's saying some nice things like, forever grateful to my current and former colleagues for their friendship and service. He was just a bully to his former colleagues. So – uh, but I should point out that in 2019, Doubt took a job as director of public affairs with a Washington, D.C.-based lobbying firm. Hmm. Yeah, no conflicts of interest there. Of course, he said at the time he would stay in the legislature but would not lobby or work on issues related to Minnesota. Right, right. We believe you. Uh, anyway, Kurt Doubt uh, – I think I think it's great that he's not going to be in the Minnesota legislature anymore. He got pulled put in there in 2010 with the big Tea Party wave, and that's what he was. And uh, of course, if you're a Tea Party Republican now, as crazy as the Tea Party is and was, they kind of aren't really around anymore. They're considered quite moderate compared to the Magots that are going on now. So I think it's a mixture of Kurt Doubt is mad. He's mad because he's not in the majority, and it's no fun. And uh, when he was Speaker of the House, he put a mute button under his desk. So whenever a Democrat was saying something that he didn't like, he would mute their microphone. He would mute it. Of course, when Melissa Hortman became Speaker, after Kurt Doubt, she got rid of the mute button because she believes in democracy. Republicans don't believe in democracy anymore, and they're openly saying so. Right now, their leader says, I'm going to be a dictator. I said I'm going to be a dictator. That means I'm going to be a dictator. On day one, I'm going to be a dictator. And he wants people to believe that 
That's the only day he's going to be a dictator. That's not how dictators work. <laughs> uh, anyway, so it'll be fun to talk about Kurt Doubt retiring to Representative Jamie Long. Again, if everything goes as planned, Representative, a Democratic Representative Jamie Long, Minnesota House member, is calling in to the show in a little less than a half an hour. Uh, I know Jamie pretty well um, and interviewed him on this show before in the past. Uh, he is uh, very effective uh, in the legislature. He one time I'll tell I'll talk about it more when he's on the line. But but uh, I wonder what he thinks uh, about you know one of the nicest, most bubbly people, Kurt Doubt leaving the legislature. I also want to point out, you know, he says he was proud to represent his constituents. Well, then why is he not finishing his his term? What What is up with these people? And Kevin McCarthy, former speaker as well, he just walks out in the middle of his term. So nobody's going to be representing your constituents. Kurt Doubt, nobody's going to be representing your constituents in the 2024 session. Now, um, Doubt said in a release he was proud of his efforts to enact tax cuts, education reforms, and school choice initiatives. They didn't really enact them. They couldn't get anything passed. Uh, investments in roads and bridges. No, that was the Democratic Party that did that and advancing anti-abortion and pro-Second Amendment legislation. Well, you didn't advance any of that. <laughs> in this last session when uh, Democrats were in charge, they made abortion safe and legal for all Minnesotans and even people outside of the state, like, for instance, that poor woman from Texas who was going to die if she had to go through with her uh, pregnancy any longer. The baby was definitely going to die, and she was likely going to die, and Texas wouldn't let her save her own life. She went somewhere else. I don't know. She might have came to Minnesota because Minnesota protects people who need to do that. And also, then the ghoulish uh, attorney general in Texas, he wants to arrest that woman now. Well, in Minnesota, we protect you from that. So no, Kurt Doubt, you didn't advance anti-abortion or pro-Second Amendment legislation. We passed some uh, really good gun safety reform here in the last session. So you didn't advance that stuff. He continued to serve as minority leader from 2019 to 2023 before being replaced by Representative Lisa DeMuth. He did not return a call seeking comment Wednesday night as to, hey, dude, what the hell? You're just leaving? You're just walking out on your constituents? Now, in accordance with state law, Governor Tim Walz will issue a writ of special election to fill the vacancy left for House District 27B. Of course, it's not going to happen before the session. The session starts in less than a month. And Kurt Doubt is ditching out 
on his constituents. Yeah, because you're going to have to have a primary and all of those things before you can have the actual special to fill the seat, I would assume. I think they just have... I think uh, they just have the special election and then they have the regular election. So that's going to – and that's a pain. That's a huge pain for a party, especially a party who has like $50 in the bank and $150,000 debt because some money has to be put into – you know, you have to advertise yourself somehow and you can't run a long campaign. I don't think they do the primaries for a special election, but pretty much the special election will happen and we'll we're – already going to be deep in election season because then the real election has to happen. So whoever wins the special election will have to also be running for the regular election and possibly will only have the seat for, you know, a couple months when we're not even in session. So it's it's quite disruptive. He's hurting his own party and he's walking out on his constituents. So, um, more of a mess. GOP in disarray. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, there. Uh, you know, I I could talk more about uh, the money problem with the Republican Party as well. It's um, it's looking really really grim right now for the Republican Party. I know if you're not paying close attention or as much of a geek as I am in this stuff, you don't see that, but. The details are quite striking. Let's take a short break. You're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Todd Mickelson sitting in on the Matt McNeil Show. We'll be right back. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Todd Mickelson sitting in on the Matt McNeil Show today and tomorrow. And Matt will be back live on Tuesday. On Monday, he's playing a couple of interviews, um, repeating a couple of interviews. Um, so it'll be a, a on tape on Monday. By the way, the phone number here is 952-946-6205 if you have anything to chime in on. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of forgot about – so further, Kurt Doubt now is making the – Minnesota Republicans spend more money because now they're going to have to do a special election. And, uh, you know, are they going to support a new candidate? Um, the The Republicans don't have money to support a candidate. I, uh, I ran into Kelly Morrison, actually, who's now running for the Dean Phillips seat. So she's running for Congress. And so far, the Republicans have not made an announcement as to who they're going to run against her. And... I told her, you know, I think there's a chance that you'll be unopposed. And even if you're not unopposed, even if somebody steps in, the Republicans have no money. And this is, it, it kind of seemed like she was like, oh, that's right. So even even her was kind of like, oh, man, yeah, I didn't even think about that. And and uh, so it's it's hard to remember how bad things are for the Republicans, not just – in Minnesota, but in many states, if not all states, uh, the stories about the uh, Republican parties in different states being completely broke has been something that's been in the news for quite a while now, but uh, really deep in the news. I'm going to read to you from 
uh, an article in the Star Tribune from a little more than a month ago. The Republican Party of Minnesota is still struggling to dig itself out of debt as it heads into a pivotal election year in which it will try to win back control of the state house from Democrats. Right. State GOP activists have raised alarm about the party's financial situation throughout the year, especially when it reported having only about $54 on hand and about 336000 in debt at the end of May. That's not 54000 That's 54 It's not even 5400 It's $54. At one point, I remember them saying that they had like $8. <laughs> anyway, uh, while the state party's cash flow has rebounded, okay, the GOP reported now having 145000 on hand at the end of October, but its debt has continued to mount. Also at the end of October, they reported $414,000 in debt. That's quite a bit more than 145000 I wonder if they've paid the facilities that they had their convention in uh, Rochester last year. They still hadn't paid them as of last summer. Uh, So that was almost a year later. They still hadn't paid. So David Han, who is the Minnesota GOP chair, he said, it's been a challenge this year. No question about that. Han told the Star Tribune in July that he thought the party would pay off all its debts by the end of the year. But in an interview Wednesday, he said it won't be gone by then. Donor interest dipped after Minnesota Republicans were swept by Democrats in last year's midterm elections. And a recently resolved legal dispute with the state GOP's former chair was also costly for the party. He said further, We've had significant legal costs associated with the that lawsuit. Huge problem and unexpected. Obviously, that has been something that has been damaging. The GOP and former chair Jennifer Carnahan agreed earlier in November to drop the lawsuits they filed against each other late in 2022 without any money changing hands. Carnahan, who was forced out of her party leadership role two years ago, amid allegations that she created a toxic workplace, had sued the party alleging her former colleagues disparaged her in violation of a uh, separation agreement and hurt her job prospects. Of course, she was also palling around with a convicted pedophile. Uh, That was another big part of why she got pushed out of the party. The Minnesota GOP quickly countersued, claiming Carnahan grossly mismanaged the party and caused substantial damages. Han said the party's expenses for the legal dispute totaled six figures. He called Carnahan a specialist in sowing division and chaos. In a statement uh, at the end of October, Carnahan accused Han of taking cheap shots at her and attempting to attribute his embarrassing financial failures on me. He has destroyed this party. This is Carnahan talking. He has destroyed this party, ruling like a tyrant who will stop at nothing to silence, destroy, and eliminate anyone who dares express a different point of view on any matter. That's what Carnahan said about David Hahn. So this is all Republicans talking about Republicans, by the way. 
And her comments echoed those made by some GOP state delegates who recently declared they would like to see Han and other party leaders ousted. So it's going on in Minnesota as well, with uh, MAGA Mike being uh, threatened now in the national state house here in Minnesota. Leadership of the Republicans want to get rid of their leader as well. A group calling itself Rebuild the Minnesota GOP. Wonder how good their finances are. Uh, they circulated a news release earlier last week saying the urgency for change is palpable, with Han plunging the party into debt and overseeing one of the worst election losses in Minnesota history in 2022. Larry Dose, chair of the Malax County GOP, is among those calling for Han's removal. He declined an interview request, but told the Star Tribune in an email that Han's election was based on misrepresented fundraising prowess and business acumen. It has become evident that he lacks the necessary leadership skills for any organization. Dose suggested that Carnahan was better than Han at fundraising and navigating debt. It's just that she wasn't good at being civil toward her own employees, if you want to call them that, her, her own people. Uh, she was disruptive and, and got, you know, drunk a lot and got caught on tape saying horrible things, even about her own husband while she was drunk. And she palled around with a convicted pedophile, not just somebody who's been accused of being a pedophile, somebody who went through a trial and is now sitting in prison because he filmed pornography and released it on the internet of underage girls. And Carnahan was like one of his best friends. So, so she wasn't good at staying away from pedophiles and being civil to her people. A federal campaign finance report filed by the Minnesota GOP shortly after Carnahan's exit from the party leadership role in August of 2021 showed the party had about 108000 in debt and 96000 in cash. That doesn't sound like she was doing that great of a job either. Carnahan left six figures of debt and then sued us for over six figures, said Anna Matthews, the Minnesota GOP's executive director. But it's David's fault that we have debt? Not in my book. So they're fighting amongst themselves. The article actually goes on. It's just like yammering, yammering. It's like, it's like a junior high lunchroom at this point over there in the uh, Minnesota Republican Party. Say, uh, we've got Jamie Long, representative, a Democratic representative here in Minnesota. Jamie Long coming in. Uh, not coming in, but calling in in a few minutes. So let's take a short break and come back. And shortly after that, we'll be talking to Representative Jamie Long here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Todd Mickelson sitting in on the Matt McNeil Show. We'll be right back. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Todd Mickelson sitting in on the Matt McNeil Show, and we're waiting for a call from uh, Democratic rep State Representative Jamie Long, supposed to be calling in any moment here. I do, Patrick, have a piece of sound um, while we're waiting for uh, Representative Long to call in. 
This is another uh, snippet from yesterday's committee hearing, and you're going to hear Daniel Goldman. He's going to be uh, reacting to Scott Perry. Scott Perry being the guy who, well, I, I guess Daniel Goldman kind of explains it in this clip. This happened yesterday. That this is this is a game for these folks. Sure, they want to support their guy. They don't care about America. They don't care about what the president's doing to destroy America. They're just locking horns, locking arms to support their guy. My, my friend from Pennsylvania also chastises us for just supporting our guy. And I wonder what, how he would define supporting our guy. Would he define supporting our guy as trying to instigate a coup at the Department of Justice to install a lackey and remove the Attorney General and the Deputy Attorney General so that he could keep his guy in office even though he lost? Is, is that just supporting our guy? Because that's what Mr. Perry did. That yeah, so that's Daniel Goldman pointing out Scott Perry, who, by the way, there the uh, committee hearing yesterday, they were trying to take a vote on holding Hunter Biden in contempt for not uh, honoring a subpoena. Scott Perry also did not honor a subpoena when he was subpoenaed by Congress a couple years ago. So, you know, uh, the layers of hypocrisy are many. The hypocrisy is deep on the Republican side. Um, so, yeah, uh, also, uh, we're trying to talk about Minnesota here in this hour, and we are waiting for uh, Representative Jamie Long to call in, hoping he will call in any moment now, and I'm going to talk to him about... Uh, you know, you just heard me talking about the problems with the Minnesota Republican Party. Well, it's quite opposite with the Minnesota Democratic Party. Um, so that's what I want to talk to uh, Representative Long about. There's a story also that I think is pretty funny, and it also points out the silliness. It's Another thing that's going on, both in the state and nationally, is that it looks like the Republicans are kind of all out of ideas on what to do. Nationally, they've done basically nothing but made fools of themselves. Here in Minnesota, the Minnesota Republican Party is launching an all-out effort against the adoption of the new state flag. Fundraising off the old flag and signaling that the new state emblems will be a new front in the so-called culture wars. That's what they're doing. Their party's out of money, but they're trying to raise money to ban the new flag. I've seen a lot of, of whining on Twitter and different things like that about just how huge of a problem it is that we have a new flag design. Now, of course, it's been talked about for many, many years that there was some, you know, a little bit of uh, almost racism <laughs> on the on the old flag, and uh, 
So we, and it looked, uh, it didn't look that good, really. So uh, we solicited some people to submit designs, and we have a new flag design. And I think it's actually pretty cool. I like it. But the Republicans are losing their mind. And by the way, although I think the new flag is kind of cool, I don't care. Why? I don't really care what our state flag looks like. I mean, uh, I don't know. Flags, what's the, you know, I mean, I think they meant something a long time ago. Uh, Flags, I don't know. I mean, it's fun, I guess, but they're losing their minds over it. And when they should be raising money for elections, they're raising money for an all-out effort against the adoption of the new state flag. The State Emblems Redesign Commission adopted final designs for the new state flag and seal in December. The DFL-controlled state legislature voted last session to replace the old emblem designs, which depicted a farmer and a Native American person. Um, so that means also that so we, we have a democratic republic, right? So we elect our people to go uh, represent us in the legislature. And in the state, it's here in the state legislature. And the people that we voted into the state legislature voted last session to replace the old emblem. And a majority of Minnesotans agree with them, even though it's not the biggest issue going on right now. But apparently to Republicans, they they they, they don't want to talk about women's health care rights because they know that that's losing going to lose them elections and has already lost them elections. Uh, They don't want to talk about gun safety because there's still, you know, mass shootings going on left and right. They don't want to talk about that because they know the vast majority of Americans and Minnesotans want reasonable gun safety regulations. So they don't want to talk about that. Seems like they want to talk about the border, but it's really not a whole lot different than it was under Trump. And it, you know, it fluctuates. Critics of the former seal, which was featured on the old flag, said it was poorly designed and depicted a white settler encroaching on native territory. And that was kind of the argument against the old flag. Republican chair... Uh, Dave Hahn, who we were just talking about, and Deputy Chair Donna Bergstrom released a statement Wednesday calling for the legislature to reverse the adoption of the new flag. As a Native American and tribal member, it is exhausting to see Native Americans once again bearing the brunt of the short-sighted eradication of our shared history. Keeping the current flag, that's what Bergstrom said. Uh, I guess she uh, is part Native American. Of course, it was uh, mostly the Native Americans who didn't like the flag. (laughs) Keeping the current flag would have been a powerful acknowledgement from the Walls administration and the DFL that our Native contributions are valued. Well, it didn't show... uh, Okay, anyway. And again, I don't know. If she wants to make that kind of argument, if she is part Native American, um, that's fine. But... It didn't depict that. It, it it still depicted the Native Americans as kind of being savage and the white 
European Americans as being civilized. That's what people, that's how people saw it. Anyway, um, but they found something to complain about, and that's what they like to do. That's what they specialize in. So, yeah. Uh, all out push, an all out effort against the adoption of the new state flag. And uh, David Hahn thinks they should be raising money to try and go up against the flag, even though it's his job to try and gain money for elections. <laughs> um, and also, after the last Democratic legislature here in Minnesota, it just came about. Now the legislature is being um, uh, is actually starting to happen. Governor Tim Walz on Wednesday donned plastic gloves, an apron, and a baseball cap to serve uh, Edgerton Elementary students sweet and sour chicken to celebrate uh, in celebration of Minnesota's free school meals program. Walls highlighted new data during a media briefing at the Maplewood School showing students are eating millions of meals through the program. In September, 1.1 million more breakfasts and 1.1 million more lunches were served to students compared to September 2022. This is a 30% increase in the number of breakfasts served and an 11% increase in lunches. It makes a huge difference in the lives of those families and the savings they see, Walls said. It makes a huge difference in the moment for those students, and we know in the long run it'll make a difference in achievement and the well-being of those students. And that's only part of why it's good. And I am uh, quite proud of our legislature, and I'm quite proud of Governor Walls. He, you know, just catches the worst vile stuff that you, if you are watching on, you know, Twitter and stuff, um, he 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 just receives the most vile uh, reactions from uh, what seems to be absolute horrible people. But he still is just pushing forward in celebration of all the good things that have gone on this last year, and when the Democrats took control of the state legislature. So uh, I think it's really good. Things are turning for the better. Um, yeah, I, and we'll talk more about that with or without Representative Jamie Long. Uh, do you have you? Do you not have a report on that, Patrick? Nope. No. I will. Uh, I will. De- I'll fill you in in the break. Okay. Well, let's take a short break and come back. And you're listening to AM nine fifty, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. Todd Mickelson sitting in on the Matt McNeil show. We'll be right back. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Todd Mickelson sitting in on the Matt McNeil show today, and I will be sitting in again tomorrow from 3 to 5. And then Matt will be back live on Tuesday. Well, he he wants to play uh, some recordings of a couple interviews that he did recently on Monday. So that's what's going on uh, during his top secret outing Um we don't know if he's in a foreign country or if he's still in the United States, but um, we're not allowed to know. Patrick, I suspect, might know, but he says he doesn't know. So 
I mean, he might not even be on this planet, for all I know. He might have gotten a ride on SpaceX and went up into space. I don't know. Okay, well, since it's top secret and I think you do know, I, I think that that's not the case because you wouldn't have revealed the real story. This is <laughs> So now this is disinformation that Patrick just gave. That's, yep. how, that's how you do that. We might be flagged by social media now for that. Right. Um, so uh, it looks like uh, this is why I always say, if things go as planned, uh, we were going to have Representative Jamie Long on. It looks like that's not going to be able to happen today. Um, we'll see what happens maybe tomorrow. I don't know. Uh, you know, in, in the post-COVID world, it's everything seems uh, not, you know, in uh, wrapped up in stone. Is that a say? I don't know. Uh, say, I... There are other aspects to the free breakfast and lunch. Um, so the majority of Minnesota schools receive federal funding from the National School Lunch Program, which reimburses them for each meal served. Though it doesn't cover the cost of the entire meal, the new Minnesota program fills this funding gap. In addition to feeding Minnesota students, the program also eliminates reams of time-consuming paperwork for parents and administrators which accompanied the prior free and reduced-priced uh, meal program. Now, the program also ends the stigma of poverty that was attached to students in the prior free meal program, as the reduced-price meal would often look different from other students. Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan has talked about being on the prior free and reduced lunch program as a kid and the stigma that came with it. This is an argument that the Republicans make against this free lunch and breakfast program. It would seem Republicans were never children. At least they don't remember being children. My daughter was a child, uh, you know, in school. Now she's in college. But, um, it, you know, we used to sometimes talk about this stigma of poverty, you know, kids being embarrassed because it's clear that they're in a different category, you know, being embarrassed that, I don't know, their parents don't have enough, as much money or something like that. So then Republicans say, well, why are we giving free breakfast and lunch to families that can afford it? Well, how would you feel now if you're the rich kid? You don't have, or you do have to pay for your lunch and breakfast. And now everyone's looking at you like, oh, if you do have to pay, that means you're the rich kid. You know, kids have enough problems to deal with in, in their new social life in school without these kind of stigmas. So I personally think that's a very important part of this program as well. Anyway, um, yeah. So one thing that I was thinking the other day— We've gotten so used to politics getting so down and dirty in the mud and Trump now possibly being put in prison and it seems to help him with his followers. They, they seem to support him even stronger now. And he's doing the same thing, by the way, that Hitler did in the 1930s by trying to turn everyone against our institutions. You know, he saying things like Biden is 
punishing me. Biden is is weaponizing the DOJ to come after me, getting people to not trust the Department of Justice, getting people to not trust the FBI and and law enforcement. Now, there might be some reasons to to not trust some of those aspects, but you know he wants to burn it all down, and it seems like Republicans don't care, even elected Republicans. You know, Kevin McCarthy drops out, goes home with his tail between his legs, and then he endorses Trump. So, you know, we're so used to the escalation in just vile horribleness in politics. I talked about this on my podcast a a while ago, and I was starting it basically in the 1990s when Newt Gingrich decided to just criticize, you know, call call the Democrats their enemy. Why would anyone cooperate anymore? The other side is an enemy. Well, now I think we're starting to see that start to turn around. I was thinking, you know, um, actual politics is a good thing. It's Politics is policy, trying to figure out how to pass good policy for the people. That's what politics is. And I think it's going to prevail because that's what Democrats are talking about, both here in the state of Minnesota and nationally. And it's working. You want to call it Bidenomics? It's kind of like when they called uh, the um, the, – Affordable health care, the uh, Obamacare. And then Obama said, hey, that's fine if you want to call it Obamacare. It's it's, uh, insuring 12 million people that couldn't get insurance before. And now it's, I think, even more than 12 million people. So, of course, yeah, let's call it Bidenomics. Inflation's going down. Wages are going up. Wages are going up faster and higher. Then inflation, and uh, people are, I mean, uh, consumer confidence is extremely high right now. So things are starting to turn around. Not even starting. They're pretty far down the road of turning around. And that's the Democrats working hard to get things done that will help people. That's what politics is. In the meantime, the Republicans, I was just giving examples of the desperate things that they're doing. They're they're not trying to pass policy. They're just trying to still act as though we're their enemies. You know, the vast majority of America is their enemies, and they're just, you know, yelling about it. So I just feel like a year from now, we're going to be in such a completely different place. And uh, I think a year from now, we will be finally done hearing Trump every day. 
I don't know what's going to happen with uh, the Republicans and who's going to be their nominee. I still just have a feeling that something's going to happen that will prevent Trump from becoming the nominee. Uh, I think people think that I sound kind of crazy when I say that, but, you know, I don't know. There are so many walls closing in on him right now. Uh, The Supreme Court is going to rule on whether he can even be on the ballot. I think they might not rule. I think they might just say, no, that's not our job. That's up to the states, which would mean that he won't be on the ballot in Colorado and possibly Maine. Minnesota, he's going to be on the on the primary, but there might be a ruling after the primaries that he can't be on the actual ballot. Yeah, I think possible. I think the some of these supreme state supreme courts are probably waiting for some kind of guidance, and if yeah. you know the Supreme Court says that's okay, that oh we got it. yeah yeah we have to go. But I, I agree with you, Patrick. Um, so anyway, well we'll talk more tomorrow. At 3 o'clock Central Time on the Matt McNeil Show, I'll be sitting in again. Todd Mickelson, we'll see you tomorrow.